part three, we're in um, chapter two, um, and we did all the way down to verse uh, three. We were able to get through the first three verses of chapter two last time, uh, uh, but we'll get through more today. So we're at the part, remember, we're at the part now where God is responding a second time to Habakkuk. Remember, God, uh, Habakkuk had questions. God gave him an answer. He didn't like the answer. So now he was questioning God about God's answer, right? Then he says, I'm going to sit up here and I'm going to wait for him to respond. Then God responds, but God told him, number one, he told him, now I'm going to give you this vision, but you got to write the vision and you got to make it plain because the people who, are, who, who run it, the one who's going to have it and actually take it to people and, and explain this, you know, uh, they're going to need to understand what it says and be able to live it out He says because it's not happening right now, okay? And so, it, this, so what good is it if you understand it, uh, but the people, you know, generations down, the people who is actually going to affect don't understand it. We, so we talked about God, uh, that, that, that generational vision um, last week and, and, and praying that as God speaks to us and God speaks to Crystal, that God gives Crystal a vision for Keith's grandkids. You get what I'm saying? And, 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 and that kind of long-term thing. Uh, and, so, and so we talked about that. Now, now let's get into God's actual second response a little bit further down. Um, a, a couple interesting things to note. And so I think what we're going to do is I'm going to read from the NLT. I'm going to read the entire chapter, chapter two. It's 20 verses. I'm reading from the NLT um, uh, because we're at this point where we get to the five woes. Remember, we, t- we talked a little bit about that last, last week, the five woes or the f- five warnings that God is speaking now, and he's speaking those to, uh, to Babylon, right? Uh, uh, now, remember, Habakkuk questioned why God would use evil people and unrighteous people uh, of Babylon to bring judgment on Israel. Like, why would you even use them? Okay. Now, God is actually responding to that question, but not even necessarily answering the why he's using them. Okay. I hear you, Mason, that he's responding but he's not responding with why I'm using them. He, he, but he's comforting what Habakkuk's real concern is. And you're going to understand that um, in one second as, uh, as we start to read. So again, we're in, you don't have to apologize. So I'll tell you, Michael, you never have to apologize for Mason. He can, he can come on and, and do his thing. <laughs> he, he's all good. And so let's, let's, so, so again, this is God responding and this is God answering Habakkuk's question, the why question, but he's not even addressing the why. He's kind of addressing his real concern. So here we go. Um, verse four, and, and we'll talk, and we'll talk about this. He says, he says, verse four, he says, look at the proud. They trust in themselves and their lives are crooked, but the righteous will live by their faith to God. Wealth is treacherous and the arrogant are never at rest. They open their mouths as wide as the grave. Now, again, like we talked about before, when it comes to some of the writing in, in, in the minor prophets, how poetic it is. And so you're really going to see it in verse three. Um, I mean, chapter three, but we see it here uh, as well. And like death, they are never satisfied. Listen to that. And like death, they are never satisfied. In their greed, they have gathered up many nations and swallowed many people. Watch this. But soon, okay, now now remember, he's telling him this. Now, God is saying soon, but remember, he also told him that it's for an appointed time, and it's not going to happen right now. But it's, so what, what may seem far off to us is soon to God. You may feel like you've been waiting for a long time, but to God, you haven't been waiting long at all, right? So he says, watch this. He says, soon their captives will taunt them. So he says, yeah, they're doing all this stuff in this season, but soon their captives will taunt them. They will mock them, saying, what sorrow awaits you, thieves? Now you will get what you deserve. You become rich by exhortation, but uh, by extortion, I'm sorry, rich by extortion, but how much longer can this go on? Suddenly your debtors will take action. They will turn on you and take all you have while you stand trembling and helpless. And so now we see this judgment, right? 
Watch this, verse eight. Because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will what? Will plunder you. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled towns with violence. What sorrows await you who build big houses? That's one of the woes. What sorrow awaits you? Those who big build houses with money, watch this, gained dishonestly. He says, you believe your wealth will buy you security. Come on, somebody. We're talking about what you trust in. He says, you believe your wealth will buy you security, putting your family's nest beyond the reach of danger. Uh, but by the murders you've committed, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. Saying that you think that the money and you think your position and you think that your neighborhood, you think all this stuff is what's going to buy you security and keep you out of danger. But what God is saying here is that, but by the murders you've committed, remember we talked about responsibility on Sunday, by the things, what? By the things that you have done, he says, you have shamed your name and forfeited your lives. He says, the very stones in the walls cry out against you and the beams in the ceilings, watch this, echoes the complaint. Do y'all hear that poetry? The very stones in the walls cry out against you and the beams in the ceiling echo the complaint. Watch this. What sorrow, another woe. What sorrow awaits you who build cities with money gained through murder and corruption? Has not the Lord of heaven's armies promised? And remember, we talked about that phrase used there, uh, the Lord of heaven's armies. Has not the Lord, and if you got to go back, maybe go back to part one or part two to catch up on, on all that. Um, has not the Lord of heaven's armies promised that the wealth of the nations will turn to ashes? They work so hard. Watch this but all in vain. What am I working for? What am I striving for? What is important to me? What am I trying to gain? Am I gaining things that at the end of the day to the Lord, they're all ashes? Well, what am I praying for? What am I fasting for? What do I need Pastor Rick to put oil all over my head for? Is it for something that, I, that is ultimately to God, something that's not important? They work so hard, but in vain. For as the waters fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. They do it all in vain. It says, but as the waters of the uh, uh, fill the sea, the earth will be filled with an awareness of the glory of the Lord. Let's keep going to 15. What sorrow awaits, again, one of the woes, what sorrow awaits you who make your neighbors drunk and force your cup on them so that you can gloat over their shameful nakedness to cause others to, to stumble. We talked about that, to cause, uh, to cause the destruction and the demise of others and rejoice at that destruction and demise that you cause, right? It's verse 16. But soon, watch this, here we go. But soon it will be what? Your turn to be disgraced. Come drink and be exposed. Drink from the cup of the Lord's judgment and all your glory will be turned into what? Will be turned into shame. You cut down the forest of Lebanon. Now you will be cut down. You destroyed wild animals so that their terror will be yours. You committed murder throughout the countryside and filled the towns with violence. What good is an idol? Remember, we talked about idols on Sunday. What good is an idol carved by man or cast an image that deceives you? How foolish to trust in your own creation. The creation creating something else and the creation trusting in that that they created instead of trusting in the creator. Watch this. A God that can't even talk. What sorrow awaits you who say wooden idols, wake up, save us to speechless stones. Uh, uh, images, to, to speech with stone images, you say, rise up and teach us. Can you, uh, idols tell you, can an idol tell you what to do? I'll repeat that. Can an idol 
tell you what to do. They may be overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless inside. That is a message all by itself that no matter how you try to dress it up, no matter how you try to make it look, no matter what's on the outside, it says while they have the gold and have the silver and have all these things that they look on the outside, that they are what? Lifeless, overlaid with gold and silver, but they are lifeless on the inside. Let's make sure that we are not laden with gold and laden with silver and that we are not personally, you know, uh, individually, uh, that we are not that type, but also that collectively that impact. Listen, and this is one thing, and we do this and we do this every now and again in, 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 the, in our class and not really our class, but our teaching impact one-on-one where we go through again, the vision that God has given impact. And, and we're, cause we have to make sure that as we continue, that we stay true to the vision that God has given us, that what we do is do the work of the king, kingdom. You will never be impressed by what you see physically from impact. You'll never come to a building that's going to be impressive. You're never going to have, you're never going to walk on marble floors and have bathrooms that got, you know, you know, gold faucets. That's never going to be what happens with impact. You will never be impressed by that because that is not, it is more about what we do. It is more about how we live. It is about how we impact the lives of other people uh, and, and how we, imp- and how we impact, not just the lives of other people, but how our lives are also impact. Remember, we talk about necessity and not accessories. Watch this uh, uh, verse 20. And then we'll go through some recap. He says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let the, all the earth be silent before him. Now, sometimes we, um, this is used in, you know, songs and, and, and hymns and, you know, what churches do as far as preludes and, and, and things like that. But literally what he's saying is, is that um, with the Lord being in his temple, he's, he's like, you know, the Lord is here uh, and he's about to exact judgment. Let, let the earth be quiet while the Lord does um, what he's doing. So let, let, let's talk a little bit about these warnings and what chapter two is before we jump into, ch- into chapter three. I just wanted to read it in its entirety, but, 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 but here, here's what he's doing as he's responding to this. Um, he didn't give Habakkuk the answer as far as why would you use them or I'm using them because of this. No, what, what, but what he's doing is letting Habakkuk know that, that I know that they're evil and I know that they are treacherous and I know that you're confused as to why I'm using them, but he wants them to understand that that I see what they are doing. I see who they are. I know who they are, and they haven't fooled me. Okay, you don't watch this. You don't have to number one worry about you fooling God because you ain't gonna fool God. But you don't have to worry about anyone else deceiving God about who they are, or deceiving, or, or even if they fool you or deceive you, God sees it. You listen. I don't have to worry about Morel being crooked. God knows whether he's crooked or not. You don't. And 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 and, and by the way, when Rick treats you wrong, you don't have to worry about God not seeing it, and you don't have to worry about God not understanding it, and you don't have to worry about whether. Rick's going to get away with it or not. All you have to know and understand is that God sees it. Habakkuk had a, had, had, I see you, Ma. Uh, Habakkuk had a real issue understanding, well, why would you use them? See how, you know, it's almost like they're getting away with something. Are you going to use them despite the horrible people that they seem to be? He's like, no, no, no. I see who they are. And then he tells them and reminds them that there will be atonement for what they do. He is saying, no, listen, listen, beware of you know, foolish man. Beware of the one who takes from people and deceive. Beware of the one who builds their wealth on the backs of other people and murder them. He's like, no, 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 this is what's going to happen to you. We saw it in verse two. Watch, I mean, you can almost go to eight. He says, because you have plundered many nations, now all the survivors will plunder you. He's talking about the crimes that they did, and he's saying that they're going to pay for it. Don't you worry, Habakkuk. I'm using them, but they haven't escaped judgment. He says, watch this. He says, what sorrow awaits you, 
thieves. Now you will get what you deserve. You have become rich by ex, uh, extortion, but how much longer can this go on? So suddenly your debtors, the one who you've taken from, the ones who, who owe you will now take action. They will turn on you and take all that you have and you will stand trembling and helpless. So he's saying, listen, I'm showing you this, that while they will be used, they're not going to get away scot-free. That seemed to be what his concern actually was and not necessarily why God is using them. Now, this is also a reminder for us that, that God uh, using us, and I'm talking about me, uh, you know, I'm not talking about Crystal, I'm talking about me, that God using me does not remove me from God correcting me. Come on, somebody. That Listen, God using me doesn't remove me from God correcting me. That just because God uses me doesn't mean he's not going to correct me. I see you, my, that is real talk. And it doesn't mean that, listen, the Bible says that he chastens every son and daughter of his, okay? And that he chastens us and corrects us because he loves us. Remember, the whole thing, and we talked about this in the series before, is to be conformed in the image of God. And there's a lot, while there's a lot of growing, and we talked about uh, being taken out to be put in, while there's taken out and there's being put in and there's maturity and growth, there is also correction in that. And I never want to get comfortable saying, well, look at what we're doing in his name and look at how we're serving and look at this and this and this and think that the fact that God is using us removes us from his correction. It does not. He chastens everyone he loves. He chases. I, I need, that's right, Ma. I need to be corrected in order for me to grow spiritually. And so we see that here in, in two, that just in verse in ch- chapter two, that just because God used them doesn't mean that it removed them from his judgment. Watch this. The same one God used to enact judgment will also be judged themselves. That no, Habakkuk, they haven't escaped anything. They will be judged. They will. And they said, now you may not see it. It may not come now, but it will come that they will be judged and it will turn. So yeah. And it's also interesting too, before we jump to chapter three, uh, is that these five woes that we see fall uh, under the umbrella of the things we see in 1 John 2.16. And I'm just going to read from the NIV. Uh, in 1 John 2.16, all these warnings, uh, things says, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but comes from the world. Listen, gaining money dishonestly. We're talking about the pride of life. That could be that could be anything. That could be the pride of life. That could be the that could be the uh, 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 lust of the uh, of the eyes, lust of the flesh, just wanting these things. And we talk, the uh, murder, the murders you commit uh, is talking about that. And so you see all of these things. Um, uh, what good is your idols that you that you created? Pride of life. And so we see all these things that he's correcting them about or, or that they're going to be judged on all kind of falls under those uh, under the umbrella of those those three things we find in first john 2 16 so it's kind of cool uh to tie those things together and let's take a look at chapter three um uh, now uh, chapter three verse one I'll, I'll start there uh this prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. Now, here's the thing about this about this prayer that it, it is a prayer, but you see how I say it was sung by uh, Habakkuk. Some churches say this this was Habakkuk's, uh, Habakkuk's prayer. That word there that they use for prayer uh, could be translated into the word the, the same word psalm. That is the title of the book of Psalms. And this and you'll see this could fit right into the book of Psalms, um, uh, Psalm the way that it, it was written. Uh, and so that's why it's got kind of like a poetic feature or almost like a, like a song lyric. As a matter of fact, they said you know, the song was probably sung or spoken by Habakkuk in the temple. Um, so it's the same word. It's translated as the same word, Psalm, that's used in the book of Psalm, um, that word in verse one for prayer. So here we go. 
Watch this, verse two. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In, uh, in this time of our deep need, you uh, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember mercy. Here's what's interesting to keep in mind right here, that we're seeing Habakkuk right here understand the fact that, uh, 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 that, that God's wrath and judgment is coming. And he's asking that in your anger, he said, I remember how it was before. I remember, when, and as we read through this, he's gonna go through kind of an account poetically. Um, so it could be hard to, 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 to grasp that this is what he's talking about, but you'll see keywords in it that, that will let you know. Um, that, 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 so he's re- reminiscing about God uh, delivering the children of Israel from Egypt and them uh, going through the wilderness. Uh, he says, I've see, we've, we've read about it before and that you can do it again, right? And sometimes that's our biggest encouragement, the things that God has done for us before and that he can do it again. And he says, so, it, but in your anger, remember your mercy, that in your wrath, please be merciful on us as well, right? So, uh, so we see that balance at uh, two sides of the same coin uh, there. Verse three. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. Remember, so he, now he's talking of going back from uh, uh, the Israelites uh, leaving Egypt. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth filled with his praise. His coming is as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Man, poetry, right? Pestilence marches before him. Plagues follow close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and and levels the eternal hills. He is the eternal one. I see the people of Cushan in distress and the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Uh, was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the seas? We see what he's talking about. Were you displeased with them? No, you were sending your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow. You quiver your arrows. You split open the earth with flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands to the Lord. The, the, the poetry there, right? Um, to the Lord. Verse 11. The sun and moon stood still in the sky as your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. You marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. You went out to rescue your people, to save your anointed ones. You've crushed the heads of the wicked and stripped their bones from head to toe. With his own weapons, you destroyed the chief of those who rushed out like a whirlwind, thinking Israel would be easy prey. Oh, when they thought that they'd be easy to get, thought they'd be easy prey. Here comes God as the savior, right? You trampled the sea with your horses uh, and the mighty waters piled high. I trembled inside when I heard this. My lips quivered with fear. My legs gave away beneath me and I shook in terror. I waited patiently for the coming day uh, when disaster will strike the people who invade us. I'm gonna read that again. I will wait patiently. Uh, It says, I will wait quietly. I will wait quietly for the coming day uh, when disaster will strike the people who invade us. Uh, Verse 17, even though the figs have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crops fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Come on. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Now watch this. Let's go back and talk a little bit about what he's saying here. That is a strong finish. Watch. We get a chance to see Habakkuk grow up 
right? We get a chance to see Habakkuk change, right? Things change for him. We, early in, in the scripture, in, in chapter three, we see where he says, you know, um, uh, help us as you did again in years gone by. He says, and in your anger, so understanding you're going to correct us and you're going to do what you got to do. Judgment's coming. I've accepted it. It's coming no matter how it comes. He says, but in your anger, please remember your mercy, right? He says that. Then he goes on to say in verse 16, he says, uh, I will wait quietly for the coming day when disaster will strike the people who will invade us. Again, an acceptance that judgment is coming at the hands of Babylon and they're going to invade. But he says, I will wait patiently, right? Uh, now, this is the same God that said, how long, oh Lord, do we have to wait? How long until you respond? Now he is saying, I will wait quietly for the coming day, okay? And so now he's got this whole thing and this whole change. Now, watch this. Sometimes, because again, we see that God's plan hasn't changed, okay? Nothing has changed about what he's going to do. Habakkuk just accepted it. Sometimes there's no amount of pleading. There's no amount of fussing. All the stuff that we can do that's going to change God's plan and that's going to change God's will. That sometimes it's going to cause us, we have to mature, we have to grow up, and we have to go with his flow. And we got to go with the flow and go with whatever he is doing in our life. That, that I can cry, I can plead, I can, I can, I can pray, 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 I can do the, the oil stuff, I can fast and I eat. And, but the simple thing is that God has this thing that he's doing and he's going to do it. And the thing that I need to do is, is I need to get with it, right? Because Habakkuk was the one who what? Who changed. The plan hadn't changed. I see you see here. The plan didn't change. What God was going to do didn't change. Who he was going to use didn't change. How long it was going to happen. He didn't even know how long. He didn't even, uh, he didn't know how long. He didn't even, God didn't even answer the question why he's using them. But once he, once he showed him the vision and said that they are going to be judged as well. And Habakkuk matured and grew up and said, you know what? Fine, I'm going to go with it. And so now he went from the, oh, Lord, how long, God? He went from that to the, I will quietly wait. Not just wait, I will what? Quietly wait. And he understands for what? For the for this, for this moment when disaster will strike the people who will invade us. I'll just wait for it. Amen? Um, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Let's go to uh, 17, uh, verse 17. One of my favorites. Look. So, so, so watch this. Remember, because he says the vision is yet for an appointed time, right? So he says, okay, so I know what's going to happen when they invade us. And he says, you know what? E even though, no matter what happens, even though the figs have no blossoms, watch this, and there are no grapes on the vines. Talking about, and, and, and that's, that's figured. So we're talking about destruction. We're talking about no life coming from these vines and these figs, right? He says, even though the olive crops fail, that they're not producing the way that they're supposed to produce, right? And that the fields lie empty and barren, that, that, the, that there's nothing in the fields and the fields can't even grow anything. That while the, the, the fields have nothing in them, they're empty and they're barren, right? And they can't even grow. So there's nothing in them and they have no possibility of growing anything. And even though flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty and there's no cattle he says, despite all that stuff that's bad there, he says, I still yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And that's a, a, an attitude. And we talked about this right around Thanksgiving, how we have to have this, this attitude that I don't look for things to be thankful for. I'm just thankful and I'm thankful to God. And so as long as my, like my thankfulness doesn't have anything that's attached to it outside of God. And so I'm a thankful person. So it's like we, I'm, I can say I'm thankful for things and thank you, God, for things. But my thankfulness is there. And the same thing here with this rejoicing. He says that yet I will rejoice 
everything changed for Habakkuk when he what? When he saw the vision. And so he's like, now that I see this stuff, and even though right now this may be barren and, 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 and whatever it is in your life, whether it's family dynamics, whether it's work dynamics, whether it's financial dynamics, he said, look, even though things may look barren now, it says, I don't, it, it, that is what it is. And it looks the way it looks. It's like, I yet I will still rejoice in the Lord of my salvation. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation, that even though that is yet will I rejoice. And sometimes we have some, listen, maybe what we should do this week or maybe what we should do this month or do for this summer, or even just make it a practice is that when you receive bad news, respond with yet I will rejoice. If you want to do it just on the inside, if you want to actually say it, that's fine. Whatever you want to do. Um, uh, Thank you, Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to do. That when we're faced with something, that when we're faced with news that says the fig trees have no blossoms, respond saying, yet I will rejoice. When, when, when someone says, look, look, the grapes uh, are not on the vines, say, I will still rejoice. We say, hey, your olive crops, Rick, they failed. Yet I will rejoice when I get that bad news or something gets on my mind or my nerves or somebody gets on my nerves or something doesn't work out the way that I'm supposed to work out. What will happen if the first thing I see you, Mike and Gina, Mike or Gina, I just see both of your names on this. I'm gonna call you both. I don't know which one's clapping, but 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 here's, here's the thing, family. Watch this. Hackley's is what I'll call them. Hackley's. Watch this. And so, and so what, what will happen? What could happen in my life? If the, if the moment I am given some bad news morale or something doesn't work out the way, what will happen if my response to that, the first thing that I say, before I even try to figure out how to fix it before I, but no matter, no matter, but the first thing that comes out of my mouth will be yet. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation, right? Listen, write that down on a notepad, on a sticky note, on your phone, make it your screensaver. Let that be the first thing you see, Charmaine, when you get some news uh, uh, that is a yet I will rejoice. What will happen in our lives that despite the things that go wrong and not working out, that the first, I see you, mom, that the first thing I say will be, yet I will rejoice. Oh my goodness. And so what I, what I want to do is, what I want to do is, and, and y'all got to, y'all got to, y'all got to participate on this, is that, is that share some of that stuff that happens. That's something we're going to do at Impact. We're going to do that at Impact that we are going to say, yet I will rejoice when something happens. And I, and I want to just hear, and I'm not predicting anything. I just want to hear what happens inside of you. What happened, a situation may, who knows whether the situation changed or maybe you will change about it. Who knows? I just want to know what happens. So I want, I want, I want you guys to share and it don't have to be next week, just whenever, whenever, whenever you get that. So again, understand this too, um, as, we, as we try to move on from the yet I will rejoice point, everything changed for Habakkuk, watch this, when he saw the vision, right? When God gave him the vision and he saw it, God's plans didn't change, uh, what was going to happen didn't change, but Habakkuk changed when he, what, when he saw the vision, similar to a way that Job changed when he had an encounter with God. And he talked about how, while I have heard of God, now I have experienced. And so sometimes what happens is, is that when God shows you this vision or when God tells you and you have this encounter with God, that it changes everything. So everything changed with, with Habakkuk. Watch this, the moment he saw the vision. And sometimes for us, we need to stop asking God like Habakkuk asked him why. Maybe my prayer shouldn't be why, or I need God to explain to me the why. Maybe what I need to do is tell God, let me see it. Come on. What? Come on. So y'all got two assignments. 
you got you got we got to start saying yet I will rejoice. Right. And we also got to stop asking God why I'm not going to ask you why I'm going to ask you. Let me see it. Show me the vision. You know, what was the what was the 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 the, the, the movie? Uh, the, the one about the sport agent. Show me the money. No, don't show me the money. Show me the vision. I don't I don't understand why this is happening, because let's be honest with us. Sometimes if God was even to explain to us the why is that it ain't like it's going to make it any better to us. You know what I mean? Like Manny could get in trouble. And I, and I, and I say, Manny, you're getting in trouble. Well, why am I getting in, in, in trouble? I can tell him why he's in trouble. It still doesn't make it any easy on him. The fact that he's ground is getting beat. But, but, the, but the point is, is that sometimes I'm saying, God, but why me? Why? God, why? I shouldn't have. Well, what if we stop that? What, so again, we're changing our language. Remember, we did speech therapy uh, about a year ago, right? The, the whole series of speech therapy. We're changing our speech here, y'all. That, that when something encounters that, that, that seems to be negative, or not the way that I want, or it's not working out, my responsibility, uh, yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. And now when I have questions in my mind, instead of asking why, I will ask God, show me the vision. Show me the vision. God, you got to show me the vision. And then, and watch this. And, and just as Habakkuk waited, wait, wait. And he'll show you, listen, listen, God ain't trying, God's not trying to hide anything from any of us. This whole book is about God revealing who he is and God reveals all the time. And we see who he is from glory to glory. The whole thing about Jesus coming on earth, being God in human form. I mean, God is not trying to hide himself. He's not trying to make himself hard to understand. When they were talking about this complex law and well, what about this? And what about that? Well, Jesus, what's the most important? He said, listen, I'm going to make this simple. Love God. And, and, and love your neighbor the way you love yourself. He made it simple. And God, God is not, so listen, you listen to some of these teachers and they want to make things so complex to show you how deep they are, tune them out. Go to somebody who's going to make it simple, right? Write the vision, make it plain. And so, so make it simple to understand. Jesus made it simple to understand and made it less complex. Not that it made it any easier because we still understand the fact that we still need grace and we need his mercy. But the whole point, the whole point of me getting to that is that God is not trying to hide the vision from you. He, God is not trying to keep it hidden. He's not doing any kind of mysteries and hocus pocus magic stuff with you. God wants to show you. Listen, Crystal, God wants to reveal it to you. Sierra, God, Eugenia, Charmaine, Mike, Gina, Morel, Micah, even Mason. Listen, God is not trying to hide anything. We talk about generational. What if we could explain? Listen, what if we could explain to Keith? What if we could explain to Mason? What if we could explain to Manny? What if we could explain to Jaleesa's son? What if we could explain to the, the kids that God is not hiding nothing from you? He will show you if he asks you. Imagine having five-year-olds walking around saying, show me, God. Imagine if you have 10-year-olds saying, God, show me the vision. Imagine if we had them understanding that God's not hiding nothing from you. He's not doing any kind of magic. And watch this. And you don't even have to go through me to get to him. You don't have to go through bishop this or bishop that or prophetess this to hear what. No, God wants to show who? He wants to show you. Okay. My goodness, Habakkuk is a good, a good book. I hope y'all go back and read it. It's three short chapters. Um, and maybe go back through part one or part two, but we're going to change the speech, y'all. And I'm telling you that, that the whole change in our speech was something that I'm telling you, the spirit just gave it to me just now. It is nowhere near my notes. I'll email you my notes if you want them. It ain't in there. Um, uh, but praise God for speaking to us in real time. And so what we'll do is we'll pray and we'll close out. I'm telling y'all, change that speech. Change it. I got, and I'm, I'm, I'm saying I'm telling y'all, but I'm doing that to match the fact that I'm the one who, has, who really has to do it. And so I got I to gotta do it. I got to change my speech and I'm up for the challenge. Um, 
um, um, uh, and I want to see the vision. I'm not going to ask why. Just show me the vision. If you show me the vision, then 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 I'm good. Then then why the why doesn't even matter. The why doesn't matter because you've shown me you you've shown me what you're doing, and 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 yet I will rejoice.